We've been in a brand new series together that we've entitled, It's All Good. Someone say, it's all good. Say, I need, you, I need you to believe that. That no matter what, it's all good. Like, even if you can't control the gas prices, it's all good. Someone say, it's all good. Like, like even, even if people sometimes get mean, it's all good. Even when things don't go the way you plan, someone say, it's all good. What if I told you there's a way to live life that no matter what is going on in your life, you don't have to be moved by what's going on in your life, that you could remain consistent and stable and strong and anchored. No matter what's going on around you, you can always have a peace all up inside of you. Amen? This is how we see so many people in scripture living, and it's what we're trying to figure out. How do we live this way? How do we get ourselves to a place where no matter what's going on, we can say it's all good? You know, Paul the Apostle had a life that was spinning all around him. I mean, he had threats. He was in and out of prison over and over again. It tells us that he was shipwrecked, abandoned, that he just had a lot going on in his life. And yet, in the midst of everything that was spinning around him, Paul the Apostle said this in the book of Acts, chapter 20, verse 24. He said, but none of these things move me. Isn't that interesting? Life is moving all around me. There's chaos everywhere, on every front. Paul was dealing with so much. Matter of fact, I think Paul was dealing with more than most people will ever deal with in their life. If I was dealing with half of what Paul was dealing with, you would find me in the fetal position somewhere, weeping quietly to myself in a corner, right? But Paul looks at all of it and says, none of these things move me. Neither would I count my life dear unto myself so that I might finish my course with joy, the ministry which I have received from the Lord Jesus to testify of the gospel of, of, the gospel of grace of our God. Paul says, it's all spinning all around me, but it's not going to stop me. And my question for Paul is, how, Paul? Like, like how do you live that way? How can you possibly not be moved by all that is moving around you. What I introduced you guys to last week, and I'll do it again today for those of you who weren't here last week and are wondering why there's a bike on stage, is that life is like, like a wheel. And, and the wheel's gonna spin, right? How many of you, like, you, got, you know what I'm talking about? Like, life is just spinning all around you, right? The wheel's gonna spin. And you cannot stop the wheel from spinning. Like I said, you can't control the gas prices. You can't, listen, we can't, we can't stop on our own war. We can't stop people from being mean. We can't stop people from thinking what they're thinking. We can't, we can't, we can't stop. A lot, is out, a lot of it's out of your control. Some of you need to hear that today. Listen to me. You're a control freak, and you think you can control things. I'm trying to tell you, you can't control it. You can control it all. You could try and control it all you want, but you're going to just drive yourself mad in the process. Life is just going to keep spinning all around you. So we can't stop the wheel from spinning, but you can decide where you're going to be on the wheel while it's spinning. And where you are on the wheel while it's spinning will ultimately determine the impact of the wheel on you while it's spinning. It's like a merry-go-round. If you're on the edge of a merry-go-round while it's spinning, you're holding on for dear life, right? Do you remember those in, in the playgrounds, somebody came up with the brilliant idea of taking a metal they always make them metal. I don't know why they're, they're like the, the hardest, like, 
you know, playground equipment possible. They put it, and then they, and then they put it to where you can spin it. You guys know what I'm talking about. You load the thing up with kids, and somebody takes it and runs and throws it as fast as they can. It's always like the, it's always like the really strong dad that's trying to show off for everybody, and he's going to make that thing just spin like crazy. And what happens? After about three seconds, you got kids, like, holding on with their feet dangling out like this, and pretty soon kids are just going, just like flying everywhere, right? Dad's on the, on the ground, everything else, as this wheel is spinning because the centripetal, <laughs> I almost tripped on myself, the centripetal, is that what it is? Force, if not I made up a word, is throwing kids everywhere. But the way you stay on it, what, is you move toward, someone say the middle. You move toward, someone say the middle, the middle. You've got to learn to get centered and to move toward the middle. And when you're in the middle, no matter how fast that wheel spins, no matter, no matter what's going on in your life, and no matter what's happening around you, you're okay. Why? Because it doesn't affect me as much as it would if I was living on the edge. I've learned to move to the middle. I've learned to be centered. See, some of you, you're living life on the edge, and you're bragging about it. Just living on the edge. You shouldn't be. If you're living on the edge, you're dizzy. If you're living on the edge, life is impacting you in, in ways that, well, it doesn't have to, you see. You can learn to be centered. And not centered in some way of like going off on your own and being by yourself for, you know, the next four years meditating. But centered in a way where you have some, what I call theological backbone. Where you understand theologically who God is and who you are in the middle of everything that's spinning around you. So how was Paul so centered? How could he say none of these things move me? Paul understood some things about God. And Paul understood some things about himself that no matter what was going on around him, those things remain consistent and those things remain true. And he could stand on those things no matter what things he faced. Amen? And so how do we get Centered. What, is the, what are some things theologically we need to understand in order to keep ourselves centered? The first one we looked at was this, is that if we're going to be a centered people, we need to be a surrendered people. So instead of trying to control my life, I surrender my life. My life is not my own. And the moment you think your life is your own and you're going to do your own thing with your life and your way, I'm telling you, you're dizzy. But when you realize that you were bought at a price, amen, that Jesus purchased you and he brought you in and now as your great shepherd is going to take care of you, you just simply surrender. And now no matter what happens, you're just like, my life's not my own. God, I have dreams for my life, but I want to surrender those dreams to your dreams. Why? Because your dreams are bigger than my dreams. You see, my life is not my own. Paul the apostle said that your life is not your own and it helps center you. Because if your life is your own, you're always trying to control it. And you're always, but if you surrender it, and there's peace in that. There's joy in that. And here's your second word, surrender. Today I want to talk to you about trust. Trust. We've been learning how to be centered by looking at Psalm 23. And in Psalm 23, David is, is sharing with us how in his life, in the, in the middle of everything he faced, how he remained centered. And so David says this in Psalm 23. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his namesake. Pause with me. There's your, there's your surrendered part, right? 
David is saying, I'm just a, I'm just a sheep. He's my shepherd. I'm just a sheep. And as a sheep, what do I do? I remain, I remain surrendered to the shepherd. My life is not my own. I was purchased just as a sheep. David sees himself that way. But now I want you to see the second part of how David stayed so centered in his life in the middle of all he faced in life. As he goes and he says this, even though, someone say even though. Someone say even though. It's important. Say even though. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me and your rod and your staff, they comfort me. If we're going to be a centered people, we have to be surrendered. But we also have to be, listen, trusting. We've got to learn this thing called faith. We've got to learn how to trust God. And, and here's what David says is, the way I've remained centered in my life, what Scripture is teaching us is that I've realized that it's all good, even when things don't go the way I planned. David says, it's all good when I'm in the green pasture and I'm by the still water and God is good and he is my shepherd. And then he says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, it's still all good. And if you're going to remain centered, friends, you've got to have a life plan that plans for life to not always go according to plan. So David was able to say, I'm believing God for the green pastures and the still waters. I'm, I'm, I'm believing God for things to work out the way that I would like to see them work out. But even if they don't go the way I was hoping, I'm still okay. I will not fear because he is with me. You see, David had this trust. There's something we've got to learn in life if we're going to remain centered. It's that. Things don't always go according to plan, right? And you've got to be okay with that. You've got to realize that, that. That as Christians, we are not immune to suffering. We're not immune to things going wrong. We're not immune to mean people. We're not immune to people being unfaithful. We're not immune to rising gas prices. We're not, a, we're not immune to, you know, uh, trouble in relationship. We're not, a, we're not immune to those things. And you've got to understand that up front. You see, there's a... There's a there's a, there's a teaching out there that some buy into that says if you believe in Jesus, it's all just going to be easy. If you believe in Jesus, it's like, you know, buy the world a Coke and, and you know, go skip through the daisies and life's always going to be rosy. And you just, you give your life to Jesus and it's all just going to be okay. But the reality is, friends, is that even if you've given your life to Jesus, you still are going to face some hard things. The difference is you're not going to face those things alone. And you've got to have a theology that's big enough to incorporate and, and big enough to cover some, some suffering and some things not going well in your life. You've got to have a God that's big enough to cover difficult circumstances, a faith that's big enough to cover the valley of the shadow of death. You've got to have a understanding that even when things aren't going the way I planned, I've got a God who still loves me, right? A shepherd who's still leading me and providing and caring. So you've got to build into your theology just this understanding. Things might not go the way I planned. So think about, again, the life of Paul. 
life's going great. But, but the Bible tells us that Paul actually had a thorn in his flesh. Something, something that was bothering him so much that he prayed that God would remove it three times. And God chose not to remove it. And God actually said to him, well, I'm not going to remove that thing. But what did God say to him? My strength will be made perfect in your weakness. God said, I'm gonna, uh, this thing is going to continue. I'm going to allow it to continue in your life. And while it's continuing, I'm going to teach you something about me while you're carrying that. He had a thorn in his flesh. You think that, you think about the life of Jesus. Jesus, it says, he had no place to lay his head. Jesus, it tells us, suffered on the cross. And if you look at a Bible that teaches you about a suffering Savior, about Jesus who, who walked through difficulty, you look at Paul the Apostle who walked through difficulty, and you walk away from that kind of uh, example in the Bible and think to yourself, you're never going to face a hard time. You're never going to walk through valleys. You're never going to walk through shadows. Then friends, when those shadows come and when those hard times hit your life, they have the potential to take you out because you weren't prepared beforehand to walk through them. Does that make sense? Like, you know, my kids when I was little, and when they were little, when I was little, and they were little, I'm much bigger now. When our kids were little, they would hide and I'd, like on a couch or something, I'd come walking through the, the door and they would jump off the couch onto my back. And if you can see that coming, you can prepare for it, right? But if you don't see that coming, like even a little Kate will wipe you out. Come on, like knock you on the floor because you didn't see it coming. How many of you, you ever step off a curb you didn't see there, right? Like you, you have the potential to, to just be laying flat on the floor if you didn't see it coming. You've got to have a theology that says, you know what? Hard things might come my way. And I, I'm, I'm prepared for that. I'm okay with that. You see, even, even if my will this year is spinning faster than it did last year, even if it feels like there's more pressure on me than there's ever been, listen, I'm okay. I expected that. Matter of fact, Jesus told us this. Jesus said, in this world, you will have tribulation. Like, when's the last time you saw that on somebody's fridge? Right? You know, your little, your little promise for the, for the day. I will have tribulation. No one likes to do that. We want all the happy stuff, right? But God says you got to understand you live in a fallen planet. And there will be things that hit your life. But you can have a faith that's big enough to face those things. You can stay close to a God who's going to lead you through those things. You can stay centered while those things are spinning all around you. So David just says, listen, I'm good in the green pastures and I'm good by the still waters, but I'm also good in the valley of the shadow of death. How did David do it? I call it an even though theology. So here's how we're gonna stay centered is you get an even though theology. Even though theology. What does it mean? And even though theology says this, that what's true in the sunshine is also true in the shadows. So when you're in the sunshine, you say, God loves me and God's good to me. When you're in the shadows, it's still true. God still loves you and God is still good. Amen. It's an even though theology that no matter what I'm facing, the truths of God's word and the truths of his character never change. It's an even though kind of faith. And if you're going to stay centered in life, you've got to be able to have that kind of faith. You remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? They're being told by King Nebuchadnezzar that they need to bow to this idol that he had set up. 
So when the band comes out and starts playing, they're all supposed to bow to this idol and to worship this, this idol. Well, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they, they know better. They're not going to bow before this idol and worship a false god. So the band plays, and they choose not to bow. Nebuchadnezzar pulls them aside and says, listen, I'm going to give you one more chance. If you don't bow when the band plays, we're going to throw you into this fiery furnace. And here's their response, I want you to see it, to King Nebuchadnezzar when he's threatening their lives. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replies, says, oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. Do you see the faith in that, everybody? It takes faith. God's got me. I'm going to be okay. Throw me into your fiery furnace. Think about the, think about the, the threat that that is. This isn't just some, like, you know, uh, like, conceptual fire. This is like a real fire that's burning, right? You're going to get thrown in this. Like, God's got us. But now watch. It takes faith to say that God can save us from it. But then listen to what they say next. But even if he doesn't. Even if he doesn't. We want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue that you have set up. Even if God doesn't do what we expect him to do, we're still going to trust the God who is on the throne and the God who is in charge and the God who, right? Even if it doesn't go the way we plan, we're still going to trust. You see, it's an even though theology. And we have got to get to the place that no matter what is threatening us, no matter what things look like, no matter what has not gone according to plan, we can say, even there, I choose to trust God. Amen? And even though theology. The gospel, friends, is not just everything works out and everything just goes according to plan and, and it gets easy. To preach a gospel void of suffering is gives us is 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 a gospel that can face suffering head on and still be okay it's a faith that can walk through deep valleys and still not be moved you see it's bigger than what the world has to offer us because it anchors us in god who is a sure foundation no matter what is moving around our lives and a person who is centered plans all day for things to go well. Plans all day with dream and vision and hope for future. But also has a plan that if it doesn't go the way I've been dreaming and hoping, and hoping I'm going to be okay. Because I got an even though theology. I got an even though kind of faith. Here's a couple things that an even though faith understands. Write this down, a couple of these. First one is this, is that even though my circumstances changed, my Savior has not. You got to know that. Even though, even though today things look different than they did yesterday, even though today my plans aren't going the way I, I thought they, they would or I'm not in life where I thought I would be, even though my circumstances changed, my Savior has not. 
You see, God leads me, and he guides me, and he loves me, and he provides for me. And it's all true even in the darkest of night, even in the deepest of valleys. Even there, he is still my shepherd. And so therefore, even there, I can be confident. I could be as confident in his love in the shadows as I was in the sunshine. I could be as confident in his in his ability to provide for me when I'm walking through a shadow as I was in the sunshine. You see why? Because his character has not changed. God is still good. Amen. And you've got to get our we got to get our hearts to that place. Here's the danger. The danger is that when you're in a trying circumstance, and some of you guys find yourself in 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 something like that today. Things did not go like you had planned on this working out, you had planned on this going that way. And the danger is when we're in a trying circumstance, situation, the danger is to begin to interpret God's character based on the circumstance we find ourselves in. And so we start to filter God's character through our circumstance and say things like, well, God must not love me anymore. And we start to doubt God's love. The reality is, God still loves you. God loves you, period. There's nothing you can do. There's no circumstance or situation that is ever going to change the fact that God loves you. God loves you, period. So you've got to be careful not to interpret God's character through the lens of your circumstance. Your circumstance might make you feel like God's abandoned me. Like if, if God loved me and God was really with me, well, then this would work out that way and this would go this and, and then I would have gotten that job and I would have got into that school and I would, have, I would have seen this thing play out that way. If God really was, was with me, then this would be working out. Well, friends, the fact is that even though those things not, might, might not be working out the way you wanted to, God is still with you. He hasn't left you. He hasn't abandoned you. His favor is still on you. His eyes are still on you. Like, nothing has changed that. And so, instead of interpreting God's character through the lens of your circumstance, you've got to, listen, listen. You've got to learn to interpret your circumstance through the lens of God's character. So, I've got this circumstance here, and I'm going to see it through God's character. Okay, so... If I'm walking through, if, if things didn't go according to plan, I'm going to look and go, well, God loves me. And if God is not allowing things to go as I thought they should, it means the God who loves me is going to move me into something that's greater than, right, I had originally planned. Because, see, he hasn't changed. He still loves me. And I'm going to interpret now my circumstance through that lens. He's still with me. He's still for me. You know, a lot of times the shepherd would lead his sheep through deep valleys because it was the only way to get him to the greener pasture lands. And they can never get to the greener pasture lands if they weren't willing to walk through some of those deep valleys. And what you look at as a setback could actually be God setting you up for something that you can't even see right now. And what you are calling uh, a, a, a tragedy or something that is just, you know, throwing you off course could be the very thing that God is going to use to turn you on course to something that's bigger than you could have ever imagined. But see, that only happens when you interpret your circumstance through the lens of God's character. Do not lose sight of God's character. 
you hold it close to you. You see, it's an even though kind of theology. And that, my friends, is powerful. That will center you, you see. That'll hold you in the middle of whatever's spinning around you. Even though my circumstances changed, my Savior has not. Write this one down. Even though I'm in this, I'm going to get through this. It's an even though theology. What did David say? Yea, though I walk. Someone say through. Through the valley of the shadow of death. David says, I'm in this, but here's what I know about my Savior. Here's what I know about my shepherd. He's going to get me through this. Look at me, friend. What are you in? How confusing is it? How frustrating is it? How hopeless does it seem? How off, you know, course do you feel like it's thrown you? How? Listen, here's what you need to understand about your God is that he's going to get you through it. The Bible says that in, in Romans 8 that he works all things together for good to those who love him and are called according to his purposes. All things, all things. Meaning no matter what the world can throw at you, no matter what your enemy can throw at you, God just has this way of redeeming every circumstance and every situation to push you forward in life. To push you through whatever's come in your life. You will look back at things. And although you might not ever have an answer why, you will see how God has chosen to glorify himself in it and show himself off through it every single time. Because you see, that's, the, that's a God who is an even though kind of God. It's a God who says, even though you're in this, I'm going to get you through this. Don't ever forget that, friends. God is going to get you through. Isaiah chapter 43 verse 2 says this, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they shall not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. When everything's burning up around you, God says, you're going to be okay. He's going to get you through. So even though my circumstances have changed, my God is not. Even though I'm in this, I'm going to get through this. And here's the last one I want to leave you on. It's that even though I'm in this, I don't have to fear this. The way we stay centered is to not allow fear to grip our hearts. To not allow fear to paralyze our lives. One of the very first things that happens when life doesn't go according to plan or when you get thrown a curveball or when you wake up with bad news is fear, is that fear begins to, to grip your heart. And what fear is always trying to do, please listen, fear is always trying to stop you from moving through. Do you remember we talked that, you know, I'm in this, I'm going to get through this? Well, what fear is going to try to do is keep you in it. Fear is going to try to drown you in it and stop you in it. Fear is always going to try to keep you from moving on or moving through. Fear wants to stop you in your tracks. It tries to paralyze you and hold you down. And that is always, listen, that's always the goal of fear, to keep us from moving forward, to rule us and to paralyze us. And so here's what happens when we're living in fear. You look around and you start wondering how you'll ever make it out. 
if you're ever going to be able to pick up all the pieces, if you're ever going to get back on your feet, if you're ever going to meet someone else, if you're ever going to smile again, if you're ever going to have joy again, if you ever, you know, if, if any of that's going to ever happen again and you start doubting over that, all that, and, and you get overwhelmed by all of it. And instead of pressing on into the new territory God has for you, you start, well, you begin to give in. You begin to give up. You begin to lose hope. You get your eyes off Jesus and you start putting them on the circumstance around you. And you start, friends, listen, to drown in the very thing that God wants you to walk on. Think about, think about Peter in the storm. Peter sees Jesus walking to him on the storm. And Peter says, Jesus, if that's you, call me out on the boat. Call me out of the boat. I'd love to walk on the water with you. And some of you have experienced this. You've, you've experienced life like walking on the water with Jesus. Walking on, listen, the very things that are threatening others, the very things that are, that are, that are holding others down, you're walking on them. And here you are walking on all these things that are threatening you. But Peter, what does it tell us? Peter is walking on the waves and the storm with Jesus, but he starts to look away from Jesus and to the storm that's around him. He starts to focus on all the problem. He starts to focus on all the situation. He starts to focus on, on, the, on the big old waves. He starts to focus on, oh, man, that wind is blowing a little extra strong. And he starts to focus on all of that. He takes his eyes off Jesus, and the moment he does, he starts to sink. He starts to drown in the very things he once was walking on. And listen, I'm here to tell you, friends, if you could just keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, no matter what is happening around you, you start walking on the very things that are threatening you, walking on the very things that could be taking you out are now the very things that you find yourself above. You find yourself moving through. Why? Because I put my eyes in the right place. It doesn't mean those things have disappeared. It doesn't mean that they're gone. It doesn't mean the wind has died down. It doesn't mean the waves have gone away. What it means is that my Savior, I realize, is bigger even than these things, no matter how big they get. I can walk on the very things that are threatening my life. Friends, fear won't let you. Fear will drown you. Fear will stop you. You think about, in Scripture, Every time someone was on the edge of a breakthrough, or many times when, when people are on the edge of a breakthrough, whether it was Moses leading the children of Israel out of slavery and toward the promised land, or it was Joseph up against uh, the, 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 right up against the, the territory of the, of the Jordan, getting ready to cross over into the promised land, what always threatened them from moving forward was fear, always. Moses was afraid. You want me to go to the... Pharaoh? Are you, are you kidding me right now? I gotta have my head taken off. I don't want to go to the, it was fear. And every time God would answer, fear not for I am with you. Joseph gets up to the edge of, of the promised land. He's about ready to go in and they send in spies. The spies come back with a bad report of these giants that are in the land and all these, these troubles that are waiting them in the land. And fear is about to stop them from moving what? Forward. Trying to stop them in their tracks. And God would speak every time as he did to Joseph and in, 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 to Joshua. In Joshua chapter 1a, he says, he says, be strong and of good courage, for I am with you, Joshua. 
I, I'm going to go with you, and everywhere you put your foot will be your land. Some of us are on the edge of incredible things that God wants to do, but fear is trying to hold you, just as it did Moses, just as it did Joshua. Faith is to rise up inside you and say, I will not fear. Even though it's scary, I will not fear. Well, why? David, why won't you fear? Because you're so brilliant? Because you know how to navigate the situation? Because you've figured out how to, how to you know, you, you have this, you have this uh, valley all mapped out, right? And you've got it all figured out. Is that, is that why you're not going to fear? Because you read, a, you read a few really good self-help books on, on how not to fear. Is that why you're not going to fear, David? Why aren't you going to fear, David? David says, here's why I'm not going to be afraid. I will not fear. What does he say? Because you are with me. The reason I've got faith inside of me is because God is with me. And when God is with me, it changes everything for me. Everything. So no matter where I find myself, no matter how fast this thing is spinning, I can stay centered. I don't have to fear. Because God is with me. He'll never abandon me. The Bible says, though mother and father forsake you, your God will never forsake you. He's always with you. His eyes are always on you, no matter what. Think about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego as the band comes up. King Nebuchadnezzar threatens them and he's going to throw them in the fire. And they say, we're good. Even if you throw us in the fire, we're going to be good. They get thrown in the fire, and if you know the story, what happens is, while they're in that fire, Nebuchadnezzar leans over and says, how many, how many people did we throw in that fire? And the soldiers say, well, we threw three in there, sir. And he goes, why then does it look as though there is a fourth, and the fourth is as the Son of Man? Well, can I answer you, oh, dear King Nebuchadnezzar? While there is a fourth, why it looks like there is a fourth in the fire. The reason it looks like there's a fourth in the fire is there is a fourth in the fire. And his name is Jesus. And he goes with his kids into the midst of whatever fire, come on, they might face in life. No matter what threats are threatening them in life, he is with them in the fire. And do you know what it tells us? Nebuchadnezzar calls them out. He goes, i got to talk to these guys. He pulls them out. And it tells us a couple things in Scripture. One, it tells them that they didn't even smell of smoke. Do you know that you, when you walk with Jesus through things, you can get through those things without even those things leaving residue on you? And it also tells us this, that the only thing that burned off them were the ropes that bound them. That not only was he with them in the fire, watch this, he used the fire. God never wastes a thing. He never wastes the suffering you face. He never wastes the difficult you face. He never wastes plans not going the way you thought. If you're willing and you put your faith in the one who's with you, he can use even the most trying circumstances, difficult circumstances, to burn from your life the very things that were binding your life. Things that would have stayed on your life if you didn't walk through some fires in life. 
Only God can do that. Your job, you just stay close to your shepherd. You just keep pressing into him. Keep trusting him. You keep moving forward. You, like David, declare, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, even though things aren't going according to plan, even though I'm not where I thought I would be, even, even though the relationship didn't work out, I didn't get into the school, I didn't get the job, even, even, though, even though, even if all that continues, I'm good. Because you are with me. I'm not going to fear. You're going to continue to lead me. You can't mess with someone like that. There's a strength in someone like that. That's what it looks like to be centered. I wonder how many Goliaths are waiting to be slain from some people who are willing to continue on in faith. Like if, if David, think about it, allowed fear to grip his heart when Goliath was standing in front of him, we, we would never have had the story of David slaying Goliath. What we would have had is a story of David running, right? But what David chose to do is to run toward the fear, run toward the thing that he was afraid of, run, run toward the Goliath. And what he got was a story of a God who's bigger than, bigger than Goliath. Think about Joshua again up against the, 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 the territory, the promised land that's theirs. If they would have allowed fear to settle in and stop them, we would have never had the stories of the walls of Jericho falling and, and, the, and the land being divvied out to, to all of the children of Israel. We never had those stories because fear would have held them back. Fear would have stopped them. I wonder in your life, like how many promised lands are waiting to be conquered? How many Goliaths are waiting to be taken down? How many stories are waiting to be redeemed and to be written if we would just learn, like David, to say, man, I'm good in the sunshine, but I'm also good in the shadow. And fear won't stop me because my God is with me. In Jesus' name. Come on, church. Amen. Amen.